Hello goddesses and welcome to this episode of the Everyday Goddess podcast. Sorry it is running a little bit late um, but egg donation is rather unpredictable and so I didn't get a chance to do it before um, the usual Tuesday slot. So I do apologise. This is going to be a solo episode so no Alice, just me Lily uh, because I am going to chat through egg donation, why I decided to do it, um yeah the whole process how it's been for me and also just answer some really frequently asked questions that um whenever I tell somebody I am doing it or have done it they are like what like all of these questions um so yeah first things first I'll talk about my story um and like the timeline of my first donation and second donation and then um yeah just my my experience what it's like uh and then go on to the questions so first things first why did i want to do egg donation very good question i wish i had some sort of answer to be like um yeah like it's touched people that i'm close to and that's the reason that i feel feel pulled towards doing it but honestly for me I genuinely, um, I already donated blood and I think in my mind I was just like for two weeks of my life um, being able to give someone the greatest gift, um, you just can't, for two weeks of my life being able to give someone what some people believe is their whole life purpose is just, for me it was it was unthinkable. I was like, I absolutely have to do this. Um, but obviously there are so, so many steps you have to go through first before you can uh, even yeah, register as a donor and things like that. So I'll start at the beginning. Um, I registered my interest and I had a call in February earlier in the year, which is just a general chit chat, basically. Why do you want to do it? Um, and then the person will ask you questions like um, about your genetic history a bit, like if there's ma- many um, medical issues within your family, kind of hereditary conditions and things like that. But it's very, very top line. Um, they kind of check that you don't smoke or like you've got, um, you're a certain BMI because they're really, really stringent on it um, in the UK. So basically, that's just a general chit chat, no longer than kind of half an hour call. And then after that call, they will book you in for, um, well, I say book you in, but they'll send you a form where you have to complete all of the medical history of your family. So kind of maternal side, paternal side, um, any information, it can be so tiny, like, you know, um, this person struggled with, I don't know um arthritis or just any little things to do with medical history so that is something that you do need to know whether you have the access to that information or not is a whole nother story but um yeah if they ask you to fill in a question to write um all about those sorts of things also like your medical history so if you've struggled with anything in the past um and yeah just like your overall wellness I guess then after that um, you will go into a clinic for tests. So that is blood tests and also a pelvic scan. And basically 
These are to have a look at your fertility and also test you for any genetic conditions, any infections that might rule you out um, and things like that. I also did that in February as well. Um, so yes, then once you're given the go ahead from the pelvic scan, it takes them a long time to get the genetic test back. So um, they first go through the pelvic scan. Um, yes, sorry, my brain is just working. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then you'll have a consultation with the doctor where they sort of discuss any questions that they have about the medical form that you filled out to do with your family history, your history, um, and things like that. Then you will also have a appointment with um, a counsellor to do with the implications, to check that you are aware of what you're doing, you know kind of um, what your your position is in the situation, like what you're getting yourself in for, so you're not signing up for something that you really um, actually are not aligned with at all. And then they, you also have an appointment with a genetic counsellor after your genetic results come back, which is where they discuss with you whether they found any conditions that you might be a carrier for. Um, so I actually found out through this process that I am a carrier of cystic fibrosis, which I never would have known without going through this. Um, so I'm incredibly grateful for that because it means that when I come to have my own children, I can, um, my partner can get tested for free on the NHS. So uh, yeah, very, very useful to have this sort of insight. And I'm incredibly grateful that I do have that. So those two appointments, the implications and genetic counselling were in March. And then I began my first egg donation cycle in May. So that is February, March, April, May, four months, the whole uh, process took me. So I have done two donor cycles now and I'm not gonna lie they were both quite different experiences so I'll talk you a bit through both um so the one that I did earlier in the year first donor cycle I barely had any side effects whatsoever I would say there was kind of slight nausea and then towards the end kind of uh discomfort in my tummy just where obviously your ovaries are getting very full um Whereas this time around, I had a lot more side effects in terms of nausea, um, quite overwhelmingly so, like beige food only. <laughs> um, so I had to manage that a lot more, a lot better. I was actually sick uh, on one of the days, the first day. I imagine where my body was just like whoosh. Uh, but also the second time around, I did take a higher dose of the drug, so I don't think it was necessarily that my body didn't like it I think it was just where it was not used to that kind of level of the drugs um so yeah side effects wise I found this time a lot harder because yeah there was a lot more discomfort um compared to last time but all in all like it's two weeks maximum of your life and I just think Personally, for me, I I think for me, going through two weeks of discomfort is nothing compared to the years that people go through trying to um, have children and being unsuccessful in that. So, yes. Um, then in terms of what you have to do. So, obviously, before 
I've just explained the actual timeline of all of the different appointments that you have to get set up as a donor. But um, in terms of the actual process, so on the first or second day of your period, you'll go in for an initial scan, which is, um, yeah, it's a pelvic scan basically to have a look in your ovaries, see how many follicles there are at the moment. And then you will also do a blood test, which is to check for any infections. So um, after you have had those, you've had the pelvic scan, they will give you one injection and you'll take it home for five days. You just do one injection in the evening, which is a tiny weenie needle, um, the same as if uh, someone has diabetes and injects insulin, it's exactly the same kind of concept. Um, so that is for the first five days solid, just one injection in the evening. You'll then go back after those five days and they will check to see the follicle growth. So you'll have another scan and they will basically measure each each follicle, which is insane. I don't know how they even tell the difference between all the follicles. Um, but basically they'll do that. And if your follicles are at a certain size, then they will... Um, it will give you another injection to start incorporating into your routine, which is in the morning. And this stops premature ovulation. So obviously whether medication in the evening is stimulating the follicles to grow, the one in the morning is stopping your body from actually ovulating them. Because obviously normally they would get to, uh, well, the one egg would get to a certain size and your body would be like, okay, time to release it. But in this situation, obviously we don't wanna release them. So um, yeah, this time round when I went for my second scan, they did actually make me inject myself there and then with the one to stop um, premature ovulation, which was a bit of a surprise as the time before, I didn't have to do it until the following day. But anyway, I then went in for another scan in, so I went in for the Monday and then the next scan was on the Wednesday. Now this scan, exactly the same process, check your follicles, and they'll just keep you going. You never go more than two injections a day, um, just those two that um, I've said about. And basically, they'll just bring you back every two days sort of thing. Sometimes for my first donation, they brought me back two days in a row because the follicles were kind of almost there and they were thinking by tomorrow they'd be at the right size. So basically, once the follicles are at kind of 18 millimetres, that's normally when they're ready to go. Um, so yeah, and then on the final day that you are doing the egg donation, you will have to do a trigger shot, which has to be taken exactly 36 hours before your egg retrieval. And um, so for me... Luckily, this time round, my egg retrieval was at 9am in the morning, so I had to do, on a Monday, so I had to do the trigger injection at 9pm on the Saturday, which, absolutely, that's fine. Last time, it was at 11pm, and I'm not gonna lie, it was, um, yeah, it wasn't the best, because I feel like I was, like, super wired um, afterwards, and then I couldn't sleep, but I'm just grateful that I've never had one in the afternoon, because... I cannot imagine having to wake up at like 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. to take an injection. Like, that is not going to be what anyone wants. Um, but yes, so that is kind of the cycle, the process you go through. The first time I was only 
um, injecting for nine days and then I was ready to go this time round. It was 12 days, so it was longer, which was definitely harder mentally just to push through that. But there were definitely other factors that were involved in that, like my boyfriend going away. Um, so it was definitely a very interesting time, I have to say. Um, but yeah, and then in terms of the egg retrieval process, this is literally the first time around it was a 15 minute process <laughs> procedure um this time around I'm not gonna lie I was quite sedated when I woke up so I didn't really register what time I had gone in versus what time I came out um but yeah they say no longer than 30 minutes it's not a long procedure whatsoever but what they do basically is they'll put a cannula in your arm or your hand um to be able to administer drugs using IV. And before, obviously because they sedate you, you can't have any food or any water from kind of midnight the night before, which surprisingly enough, the water is the hardest. Like, oh my God, your mouth can just feel like the Sahara. And I, the first time around I was doing it, I had to put water in my mouth and then spit it out because I was just like, I can't cope. <laughs> But anyway, off topic. So you haven't eaten or drunk anything. You get there half an hour before your time. Um, and then basically they will get you to sign any forms that you need to sign. They'll check your blood pressure um, and just ask you questions whether you're allergic to any medication, anything like that. And then, yes, you get the cannula fitted and then you'll walk into the surgery room and basically they use um, a needle on the end of an ultrasound probe so it goes up and basically what they do is they put the needle through um the excuse my diagram sorry people who are just listening i just did a weird um weird motion with my hands should we say um but yeah basically they put the needle through the vaginal wall and then into the ovaries and use gentle suction to pull out each of the follicles um so yeah and it's over within 15 to 30 minutes they give you all sorts of drugs you know from sedation drugs really powerful pain medication like opioids um well I don't know if it's literally it's from the opioid family but I don't know uh apparently Prince used to take it that's what I got told um and yes so they give you all sorts of medication antibiotics uh anti-sickness everything you could think of basically they give it to you and you're in and out really quickly 15 to 30 minutes then you'll wake up and you'll see how you feel then. Surprisingly, the first time round, I did have a bit of bleeding and pain afterwards. Whereas this time round, honestly, today is the next day and I have no pain whatsoever. I have no bleeding. I had no bleeding yesterday. So yeah, I think it's just so different each cycle and it can be different for different people. Like I have been very lucky, I would say, in terms of with the side effects of the drugs. Uh, and my recovery after I've had the procedures. So yeah, I am incredibly grateful for like my body for doing what it can do. 
Um, and it's definitely, for me, this is something that I would never have thought I would be able to do. Just putting yourself in a position where you're taking medication that is going to make you feel bloated and it is going to make you potentially gain weight. So for me to be come from a background of, you know, having an eating disorder, to be able to now be like, do you know what? My body doesn't matter. I know my body is not me. And if I can help someone else and I have to feel a bit bloated and fat for two weeks, like, so be it. I will do that any day of the week. So yeah, I'm just, I am very incredibly grateful for my body, for what it can do, for being able to give the gift of life to people and, you know, give people their dream because people really feel like being a mother or a father is what they're meant to do in life. So yeah, to be able to give that to people is just incredible. Anyway, I'm going to go on to some questions now that I get asked, just because I feel like they're really um, important for people to know, to understand a bit better. So the first question often is like, who actually needs donor eggs? Because I don't think it's necessarily that spoken about. But obviously women who can't conceive using their own eggs, but that can be for so many different reasons. It could be because of their age, maybe they experienced early menopause for some reason, or just had poor quality eggs. Or also if people have had cancer treatment, then that might have affected their ovaries, damaged their ovaries so that they can have kids no longer. Also same-sex couples, you know, males, they've got two, two sets of sperm, so they need an egg. Um, so yeah, it can help a wide range of people to become parents. And it's not necessarily an older woman, you know, that people might think. Uh, it can be anyone. It can be someone young who has gone through cancer treatment and has lost um, their ability to have their own children. So yeah. Then the next really, really common question is, will it impact my fertility? Now, the short answer is no, and I will explain why. So basically, as women, we're born with like 2 million eggs. um, And then every month, a group of those eggs begin the maturation process. And basically, they so they all start to get bigger and more mature. And usually what happens is like there's one front runner that's much bigger, much more mature, which is the egg that is released, also known as ovulation. And all of the others get absorbed by your body. Unless, of course, you know, some people release two and then have twins. But um, yeah, the rest get absorbed by your body. So the fertility medication basically just means that the excess eggs that would usually be discarded and absorbed by your body are actually rescued and held on to. So yeah, it doesn't affect your fertility. It doesn't make it like it's stealing your eggs and then you're not gonna have enough for yourself or anything like that. So yeah, hopefully that puts people's mind at ease in terms of that. And then the next question is, can you be anonymous? And like, do you have legal rights over the child and things like that? So firstly, uh, you can't be completely anonymous because there's there was a law brought out in like 2005, which basically says that donor conceived pe- donor conceived people can apply for information about you when they reach 18. So that can be like your name, your date of birth, where you were born, and your last known address. So obviously, for some people, that would completely put them off. But what I will say is. 
you have no legal rights towards a child, you don't, um, you know, you aren't on their birth certificate, you have no rights over them, you don't need to pay any financials towards them, you, yeah, you also don't need to be there if they were to get in contact, what will happen is the egg bank will come to you first and you can have counselling about it, you know, what you want the contact to look like, if at all, so yeah, it's not like you're obligated to suddenly have all of these children and you have to look after them and bring them into your life or anything like that because it's completely up to you. Obviously, they will know uh, details about you, but you know, you're not going to be expected to be the parent to that child. And yeah, hopefully if I, I've explained that well. Um, but yes, you're never going to have someone just show up at your door um the egg bank will always kind of um mediate that situation and make sure that it's what you're comfortable with um and then the last question i've got down here is do you get paid now in the uk you don't get paid i know obviously in america you can get a shit ton of money um but in the uk it's just not is not allowed, it's not legal to pay, same with a surrogate, so um, yeah, you don't get paid, you do get some expenses to help cover like travel costs and making sure you can eat healthily and take vitamins and just make sure um, if you need to take a day off work, you can take a day off work, um, so yeah, you don't get paid but you do get expenses covered, which is about um, like £750, I think. Um, so, yeah, um, don't get paid. But also, I feel like often if you're doing it, you're not really, that's not the reason you're doing it to get paid. You're doing it because you want to help people. So, yes, I think that's the main thing to remember is uh, if you were thinking about it and you were like, oh, yay, I'm getting 750 quid from it you know, they're not going to probably accept you as a donor because they want people who genuinely um, are doing it for the right reasons, not for the money. And also, I don't think if you were doing it for the money, you would actually um, be able to do the full thing. I think you would feel like you would just get pissed off with not feeling great. And I think you'd give up. Whereas if you are helping a person to fulfill their dreams, that's obviously going to help you get through. Whereas, um, yeah, if you're just thinking, I'll get 750 quid at the end of it, it's unlikely um, that you're going to want to continue. Not that it's awful, but obviously, I just think if you're not connected to that goal, it's going to be a lot harder to push through and keep doing it because you do have to inject yourself every day, which is a responsibility, it is a commitment. And if you're not committed to that goal, then yeah, you're not going to, yeah, you're just not going to keep going I guess on that note I was also going to say it's very strict timings in terms of the injections um you have to take them at the same time every day they say the evening ones anytime between six and nine but basically once you stick to a time you know that is the time you take it so whether you decide that 6 p.m is the best time for you or 9 p.m it's completely up to you but the thing to remember is whatever you choose in the evening, your morning one will have to be 12 hours before that. So if you're thinking, great, I'll do 6pm, get it over and done with before my dinner, 
That means you're gonna have to take an injection at 6 a.m. in the morning, and unless you're a super early bird, I'm not sure that's what you're gonna to wanna to be doing, but each to their own, you know? Um, so yes, I think I've covered most of the things that I wanted to cover. Um, in terms of the number of eggs they get, I'm just thinking now, the first time I did my egg donation, they got 11 eggs, and then this time they got 14. So that's great. Um, it's nice to see that the higher drugs that I was on the second time round hopefully helps in getting those extra three. But yeah, all in all, my experience of it the first time was so, so magical. This time was a lot harder, just purely based off the fact that there was more side effects. But I just think for what you do, like the emotions you feel from it, it's so fulfilling and so magical to just be able to give that sort of gift to someone that I would do it 10 times over. <laughs> um, obviously you can't do it that many times, there are restrictions, you're only able to help up to 10 families, which is totally understandable. Um, yeah I just think it is a really magical thing to do I'm super honored to be able to have done it and yeah I'm just really excited to be able to share it with you guys because obviously not many people have heard of it not many people even know like how the female body works that well um so yeah I hope I have answered all of your questions or at least most of your questions if anyone has any extra questions that they would have loved for me to talk about, then I can make a little list of those and I will do another one just discussing those. But yeah, I think that's about it from me. But what I will say is just, I hope you're all doing super, super well. Um, and whatever you're going through at the moment, just know that there's light at the end of the tunnel things will get better, you know, if you're going through struggling with your own fertility journey, potentially, you know, trying to conceive, then just know, like, things will get better, um, and there are options out there for you, um, and yeah, I really, really hope this has been useful and insightful for people, just for me to share my own journey and what I've gone through, see the other side, because I do think, there are a lot of stories from those that are the recipients of donor eggs as opposed to those who go through the donor um, donor process. So yeah, I hope you've all enjoyed listening and thank you so, so much. I am very much looking forward to next week. It won't be a solo episode. It will be me and my sister. Um, and yeah, uh, lots of love to you all. Bye. Mwah. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Everyday Goddess. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review or if you have any questions you'd like answering, message us on Instagram or TikTok at Everyday Goddess Podcast. We can't wait to see you all next week. Bye for now, goddesses.